Hi, all, and welcome to the Community Strategy Podcast. I am your host, Deb Shell. On this podcast, I share conversations I have with community builders who offer tips on what's worked for them and resources that have helped them find calm in the community building process. If you're new to community building or just considering community as a way to bring your clients, customers, or audience together, but you don't know how or what to do, I'd be, able to, I'd be happy to help you during a 90-minute clarity call. You can grab a link to book a call with me on uh, the findcalmhere.com website. Also, you can sign up for the Calm Community Newsletter uh, to learn more about resources and tools that that will help you in building a paid online community. And uh, if you need support and accountability with a group of community builders, I'd love to invite you to join the Find Calm Here community. You'll receive support and tools to help you have a successful launch, grow your membership, and tackle any challenges with a support of peers in a safe space that's enjoyable. There's a lot of awesome things happening inside our community. We have uh, lots of interactive events. We've got laughter yoga coming up in February, and uh, we've got cl- collaboration calls with members. So it's really exciting t- to be in the Find Calm Here community in 2022. Please reach out to me at deb at findcalmhere.com if you are interested in learning more about the community. In partnership with the Com- Community Leaders Institute, I am excited to announce that the Find Calm Here community and me, Deb Shell, is uh, thrilled to announce an exclusive special discount on the upcoming Clicks uh, Community Leaders Institute Expo. Uh, that's going to take place in Memphis um, on April 4th through the 5th, 2022. It's at the Resident Convention Center in Memphis, Tennessee. There will be a, a link in our show notes for you to, to check that out and book your ticket. If you put DEB200 in your uh, discount code area, you'll get $200 off your registration ticket. So that's a DEB200 at checkout. Uh, to get the $200 off. Uh, that's an exclusive discount thanks to the partnership we have with Community Leaders Institute. So thank you so much. Uh, excited. Uh, hopefully I'll get to meet you. Um, I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Jephta Abu. He is a community manager based in Lag. Now I didn't even ask you how to say the, the place where you're from. <laughs> based in Lagos, Nigeria. <laughs> I wouldn't guess that. Uh, he has over five years of experience in building inclusive and diverse online communities, ranging from B2B brands, tech startups, and SaaS companies. He recently became the first location-based Nigerian to be awarded a full scholarship at C-School, a cohort for community managers, and he's an advocate for diversity, equality, and, and inclusion in the community management space as he rallies for global opportunities for community managers to living in Nigeria. After his experience in marketing, he realized the community was his passion and he now uh, leads inside his blog. He unpacks community industry insights during interviews with top community professionals and leaders, including Jennifer Sue, who's the head of the community at Headspace, uh, which is the meditation app with more than 30 million users. In addition, he, uh, he's interviewed Ben Lang, the head of community at Notion, which has approximately 20 million users, then shared his thoughts around defining what success is for him in his community industry. I'm excited to, inter- to interview Jeff today uh, as, as my guest here on the Community Strategy Podcast. So welcome, Jeff, to the podcast. 
Awesome, awesome. Like, I think this is the first time someone has read, like, my bio, like, full length. So it's, like, awesome reading what I actually wrote. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's great to be here. It's, like, really great to be here. I was waiting for you to pronounce um, Lagos. I was saying, because that's something that most people always mess up. But you actually, like, did well than most people. So it's actually Lagos, okay. Nigeria. Thank you. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about where that is so that people can get maybe a sense of um, um, on where you are at in the world and so they can get a little bit of uh, idea around that. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So Lagos is actually in a place called um, Nigeria. And Nigeria is in a place or in a continent called Africa. So Lagos is like West Africa. I feel like our music is so global. Like, I don't know if people have heard Essence by Whiskey, like some jams, Afro beats, like that's where Lagos is. Like the bubbling culture, food, energy. And yeah, Lagos is like a great place to be, especially if like during the holidays, you can always come around and just like, <laughs> Sounds awesome. Um, sounds like a great place to live. And uh, it sounds like you're doing a lot in uh, building community. Tell me a little bit about what you're excited about with your experience and, and you know, where you came from and where you want to go. Awesome. Awesome. I think one thing that I'm so keen on, I think in my bio, I always say, or anywhere I always go is I'm big on DEI diversity, equity, and inclusion, because I have seen that in the community management space, it's like as a career path is usually, it's, to be honest, predominantly like white males or white females. There's no one like that's African or there's no one that is like me that is doing like so much work. So why I started off like in DI advocacy was because I was actually like looking to advance my career in community management. So I checked on LinkedIn. I couldn't find one person that had a global position in Nigeria. And we had over 4,000 community managers in Nigeria and counting. So there was a big of a disconnect. So I couldn't find resources in Nigeria. I couldn't find anyone that was advocating for community management in Nigeria. So I said to, okay, you know what? I'm going to be that person. <laughs> and it has been quite a journey. Like it has been quite a journey, putting out content, networking, meeting people. And it has been so inspiring as well like and insightful because i get to meet different people from across the spectrum and i always say that nigerians are natural community managers like what we do is we uh, we do events we plan events we meet people like we have the skill sets already so i wrote an, an article why you should hire in nigeria as a community manager and i highlighted that we already have the inbuilt skill set so it's like we are doing half the job already so it's it's like i said it's been quite a journey I'm still on that journey learning like what community means across all spectrum. So it's, I can't wait to like start seeing more Africans in that space for like having global positions and whatnot. Yeah, that's exciting. I think it's a great time for, um, for what you're doing because we it's needed like we've just we need this uh you know and you're talking about the skills can you break down the what you're talking about when you say you already have a lot of the skills that are used in community as a community manager awesome awesome so like there are basic soft skill sets that you need as a community manager that's like good communication skills ease with technology you have a strong boundary set um, a super connector and so much like Nigeria is a place where it's so imbued with culture and tradition like we are very cultural and community to us means culture 
So we have over, I think, more than 50,000, sorry, more than 50 languages spoken in Nigeria or even more. And yet people still communicate. There's this, most everybody likes connecting. People like talking to people. The energy is there. And like I said before, like strong personal skills, strong communication skills and being a super connector makes you a great commit, community manager. And also and that makes you a great community manager is empathy. Like Nigerians have so much empathy. So I've seen this, like you can give a Nigerian like today to tomorrow, plan an event. He will pull through. They'll always find a way. And it's that go-to attitude that makes us like we're, in, we're built for community management because things will definitely go wrong. But we'll always find a way like to pull through. And it's that never die attitude that I like I I embody. Like I never say never. Like I always find a way to do something. And just being around Nigeria sort of like gave me this sense of never saying never. Mm, yeah, never giving up. That's what community community or get it done people, I think too. A lot of the time they're like, All right, well how how are we gonna get yeah, it done? Definitely. Like, challenge me, right? <laughs> Especially doing events. <laughs> <laughs> right events exactly events are a big thing um so what what background um who have you worked with or how have you helped uh in communities in the past i know you said you did some work um so tell me a little bit about the some of the work you've done awesome so i actually have like a funny community management story or a, com- a community manager story like Get into this role, which I feel like most community managers are always me. They always tell me it's the same. Like it wasn't a straightforward pass. So I started off as a social media manager. And as a social media manager, I went off to do cybersecurity. So before then, I worked for like a non-for-profit as a program director. So I was in like college. I was handling events. So that's what introduced me to community management. I didn't know then that was community management. I thought it was just being a program coordinator, talking to people, planning events, making sure the community platform is okay. So I loved it. I love meeting people. I love planning events. I love leading. So that was just like a volunteer role. So after I did cybersecurity, I realized that, nah, I didn't see myself doing this. Like coding is boring. No shade to anyone. But I felt like coding was not for me. So I wanted to like meet people. So yeah, I took a break from coding like one year. Then I started learning about other careers and I discovered community management. So the first community management job I got was with a company in China, which is quite crazy because China has a lot of censorship. Like there's no Slack, there's no Zoom. Things that we use normally, they don't have it in China. I think it's WeChat. There's no Twitter, there's no Facebook. So it was like a challenge. How do you build a community with so much censorship? And I was able to learn on that role. And the next role I got is with a company called Meristas Technology. So Meristas Technology is an equity hedge fund, hedge fund company Hang on. based can in I, New can York. Can I pause so you for one second? I want to ask, I want to really yeah, ask, yeah, how sure. did you get around the censorship? Like, how, how did you connect with people if you, if you oh. couldn't <laughs> talk to them on a Slack or on Facebook groups? Like, I'm really curious to know, like, how that went for you. <laughs> not me i'm just talking 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 so basically we had to like use vpns that was just the trick like they had to use vpns in china and we had to like there's a platform we had i've forgotten what's the name of that platform i can't remember but it's like slack okay the name is Slack. that's the platform it's called Slack. so it's like slack for china 
So that was the primary means of communication we did. So because the team was in China, they had to create another team in the U.S. to work. So I was working with the team in the U.S. because our primary um, our target audience was African Americans. So I loved the team because it was really global. Like we had people from Kenya, from U.S., from Asia, from different parts of the world. So we the focus was to build a community outside of China, but we can still relate it to China. So no, that's that helpful. Yeah, sense. you say so you you had to use like a sub platform, and you but you couldn't even like you couldn't have necessarily like ambassadors. Um, so I was, I'm curious, um, how how did people find out about it? Okay, so the goal for the first two months, our goal was just to like research. Like that was our goal. I feel like that's key for any community because. It's easy to start a community, but the hard part is keeping people engaged. Like, I can start a community today. doesn't mean that in the next three to four weeks, I can keep it engaged. So, working with the team in the U.S., and I was blessed because we had, like, different folks, like Black people, we had white people, we had Mexicans, like, different. So, there was diversity. So, we're working with all the team members. I think we're about 15. So, we're working with them, getting research on people, like finding the community platform that will be best that everyone can use, whether you're in China. So we found out that, okay, we can use Discord. And I was so happy because people in China can actually use Discord, which is crazy. I'm like, so we use Discord. We're just building the community, getting people in. So it was really fun because it makes you think, like, how do you create a community where there's so much censorship? How do you create a community that allows everyone, regardless of where they are from, because most people just think as com- think of community as okay, I'm building my community. I already have a target mindset in my head, like white people or people in the US or people in Nigeria or people in Africa. But I think people should think of, about it in this way: How do I create a community where everyone can feel welcome and everyone can join, regardless of their location? So that was like a should I call it a light bulb moment that I can never forget, and it literally defined my career. Like, how do I create more communities? where people even in Singapore, in Israel, in Iraq, like they can feel and join and they can feel like, okay, there's value here. So yeah, it was an awesome experience. It was work, it was a lot of work. Yeah, it sounds like you did a lot of discovery when we talk about either the ideal member interviews or discovery to figure out like who we're bringing together, why, and what's the purpose and what we're going to do inside. And it was complex, a a major challenge, it sounds like, because of all of the the issues with the censorship. But you sound, it sounds like you got, you got around there and then you brought people together and you, you know, you figured out a way to do it and and then got to connect with people. So um, I'm guessing that was a, a positive, a, an outcome that was a challenge turned out to be a positive experience. Yeah, definitely. Because we are all like, oh, how are we going to do it? Like there's so much censorship in China. Even having team meetings, we had to use Slack and Zoom was like Chinese people had to use like VPN just to use Zoom. So, like, able, being able to, like, overcome this issue sort of taught all of us, like, okay, so we actually can create a community where we can reach out to everyone regardless of location, which is, like, the end goal of, I feel, every community. That should be the end goal of most communities. How do I create a global community? And not global in terms of global U.S., because I always say global means a lot to different people. Some people can say global, but they mean the whole of U.S. 
They might say global, they mean the whole of Africa, but I mean like a global community, which which Web3 is kind of doing right now, like giving everyone that safe space or that opportunity to join. And what's what was the purpose of that specific community when you were bringing those people together? Okay, so what we shop did is that they had a website, an e-commerce website, where um, companies or small businesses in China can put their products. So they wanted to reach out to African-American because they had African-American products. So that was our target audience, to create a, a community where you can find resources about hair products, um, ask information about hair, and just naturally just connect to people that are interested in hair as well. So we had one of the things, one of the key things that helped us a lot is because in the team, we had a lot of black women. So they were able to like actually like work on content that would be relatable because it would have been weird if a white man is working on content for a black woman's hair or an Asian man is working on a content for a white woman's hair or something like that. So by having this intersectionality in all our groups, we're able to like actually create content that sort of resonates and relates with our target audience. So you created content from people authentic. You 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 basically uh, crowdsourced from the community members about the content. Is that what I'm hearing? Not okay. We can. I think we did it two ways. Yeah, like the team created content, and we also created content from the community. That's UGC, like user generated content because. They were like people who keep on asking questions about hair. Everyone wants to know like the latest tips, how to like braid your hair. So like we kept using this content in the community and content from our team to sort of keep the community. I love running. that. It, so it's a community. So the focus of the community is about hair, is what I'm hearing from you. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Yes. That is a really hair. unique. <laughs> You know, like pro- value proposition, like how are you different than other people? Well, we talk about really interesting ways to style hair for specific people, right? <laughs> I don't know how you would how you would say it maybe yes. better or el- more eloquently, but um, <laughs> I just, I think it's an interesting concept because then people are knowing this is w- what I'm coming here for. I really need help with this. And then they're uh, together with your team and then the members of the community are saying, you know, here's what we've been doing. And I really love that com- the the experience that you're expressing, which is the members are such a, a part of it. They're an integral part of any community. And it's different than you talked a little bit about you did social media management and it's different than social media management, right? It's you're connecting people in a different way. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about like how you think social media management is different from community management. Cause I know that's a good topic to always hone in on. The, the, <laughs> I'm, I'm such a strong advocate. When I see people saying social media and community manager, it makes me cringe. I'm like, no, there are two different roles. So social media is your audience or your audience is basically people that interacted with your posts. For example, I might see, a post you make of a cute dog. I might not necessarily like your profile, but because you posted a cute dog, I'll definitely click on it and I say, oh, this is cute. Does not mean I'm a fan. But your community and your loyal fans, who are interested in you to the extent that they are willing to like provide value for you and also take your value back. So you have social media as your audience. You have community as your loyal fans. So social media is so different because social media is monodirectional in terms of communication. 
So most times people on social media post and people reply. And you might not even answer, you might just like. But community is bi-directional. Most times when you ask a question, you almost immediately get a response. And there's a conversation in flow. Like there's always a conversation. And community, the community, social media is also so centralized. But community can be decentralized as well. Social media is one structure. For example, you don't have um for if you're on twitter you know you're using twitter's ui ux you know you're talking you're sending out tweets you're retweeting but community can do so much more i can decide to shoot a video and post on the slack channel i can decide to post a meme i can decide to message someone so there's more is more you, you have the opportunity to express yourself more in a community and i think like i said earlier like community is very bi-directional and for you to be an active community is part of like what you call a capital c community so the A, the first A stands for allows a response. For you to be an active community, you have to have a platform that allows a response that is bi-directional, not monodirectional. So when you see people mixing up social media and community manager, you're usually saying, the company is usually saying you're going to be in charge of the audience and you're going to be in charge of our loyal fans, which is quite funny because you are two different subsets of people. But you can be in charge of loyal fans and you can make your audience into your loyal fans. That's why community and Community management and social media management are two different fields that I feel everyone should like know. It's come on, it's 2022. So we like we have to keep on advocating and talking about it. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was really helpful. I appreciate um you sharing a little bit deeper into that. Um so I interrupted you earlier, so I want you to continue with telling us about your uh your other role then after uh the the first role that we were talking about with the hair community, which I still love. <laughs> Uh, but tell me what, what was next then in your community <laughs> journey. Oh, awesome. So next was Meristar's technology. So Meristar, like I said, is an equity hedge fund. Basically, it's a fintech company. So I'm in charge of like the African expansion, starting off from Nigeria. So basically, I talk to influencers. I try and like, well, I've never touched on any community. We're more of just spreading our awareness. But there's another role that I'll announce soon, that I just got, like maybe in the coming weeks, but it's for a Web3 company, but that one is like a big secret, which I'll announce soon on my LinkedIn, so. So, so no no scoop here yet, but you'll, you gotta, you gotta follow Jeff on uh, LinkedIn to find out where he's gonna be in a, in a, in the next couple weeks. So that's exciting. Um, but, so tell me a little bit about, I know you just finished up with C-School. Uh, and I uh, know from people who who might be listening, um, it's a it's a program that helps people who want to really get into the community industry get some training because you know it's really hard to get a job when you don't have the background. Everybody says, well, we want you to have experience, but how do you? It's that whole thing, chicken and the egg. Like, how do you get experience if nobody hires you? And I think that's where where C school kind of breaks that uh, breaks that and says, hey, we you know this is the program that we're going to help you to really excel in community. So tell me a little bit about your experience with that. Awesome, awesome. So I think one thing that C school did for me before I even start talking about it was it sort of gave me confidence like to know this is what I want and it's what I don't want. Like you mentioned, a lot of people, after college, you'll be like, okay, we need someone that has like 12 years of experience and 10. And in my mind, I'm like, I just finished school. How am I meant to have this experience? So it's like you said, chicken and the egg. But moving back to C school, 
I'll say one thing that I, I loved was like genuine human connection. I was in a class with like 15 people and like the last day, which was, I think Tuesday was so emotional. Like everyone was crying. I don't think, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but sorry, but everyone was crying, which was very emotional. And I loved it because I'm like, I got to know these people. I got to know where they are from. Shout out to Katie, shout out to Anne, um, shout out to Chica, Kat, um, Tahoe, like, if, like so many emotions because it was like they built it as a human connection, not just a school. So I got to learn like what it means to be a community manager, matrix to track as a community manager, how to even know the career path you want as a community manager. One of my favorite topics with um, Shana Summons at HubSpot, when she talked about how to, um, what's the word? how to present a DEI strategy to like management. So it was just so awesome, like an hands-on approach to community management, like from the beginning of what the skill sets you need to content strategies, to planning, to events, to technology, to everything you need as a community manager. C-School did it in three months. So I would advise anyone that's like big on community management or even wants to learn to actually like just apply to C school and you get to meet like a bunch of awesome folks. I think which is very key because some courts I've seen after the court you just leave and you don't know anyone. But I genuinely have friends from class which I always talk about. I always tell them in C school that one thing that I love about the court is that there's a genuine human connection. Like you foster it, which is key as a community manager because sorry, which is key as a community manager because you need that connection. You need people to like lean on you and you also need to lean on people and network. So Cisco like tops up to that. It's community managers need a community to connect to each other. And that's kind of what you're talking about there with like uh, having, you know, a feeling of, oh, we had we built this amazing community as we learn together. Um, and that's a really great place where I feel like community industry is going as far as a lot of people that I work with as entrepreneurs that they want to um, teach something and then bring people into a community where we can learn together and transform together. And so it's really um, great that you shared that and had that experience. And then now you know these people. So for the rest of your life, you can, you know, reconnect with them at different times and lean on them and say, hey, I'm really struggling with something. And they'll, I'm sure they'll jump on a call or, or chat with you uh, to help you. And building those bonds makes a huge difference, right? Yeah. Definitely. When you have those strong bonds from someone you have been with for three months, it makes it easier. Like talk, compared to talking to a complete stranger, you already know these people and they are willing to help yes. you. Yes. And I've just experienced that myself with uh, groups that I'm in, masterminds that I'm in, and it's very helpful. Um, I wanted to, to circle back to you were talking about the uh, aspect of um, how do you implement a, um, I don't know if the right word is strategy, but if you want to have a focus on bringing uh, diversity, inclusion, um, equality to community, what are some things that maybe you could give uh, our listeners as far as tips for if they want to to have those as values in their own community? Awesome. I, I think I'll first start by saying happy Black History Month, which is like key. I don't know why. I just remembered right now. Um, so yeah, DI is, to be honest, it's like a continuous learning process. I see it as something that you learn every day. 
from as little as being on a school bus to even being in your classroom. So in terms of community building, one of the key things I always look at is the first thing I always look at for any community I join is the onboarding strategy because that's the first point of contact. So how do you create an onboarding strategy that is diverse? There are certain key things that you can add, like location. Ask people about your location, your welcome message. Like, where are you from? Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, what ethnicity are you in? Like, little, little things, like from the onset. This is key because the community members or the users have the first interaction. And once they see this, they feel like, okay, you're actually interested. And I think something that CMX does is they have subgroups because they have so many people from different channels around the world. So you can have subgroups if you see, like, okay, particular um, subset of people that are from this country. So you can create subgroups for them or chapters for them. Then that idea is actually having events that are, are centered around like embracing cultural heritage. For example, I think I mentioned this example, <laughs> example, example. I think I mentioned it so many times and I'm waiting for one community to do it. So you can have a show and tell where um, community members like showcase artwork or even like little, little things about their culture. You can also have a, be a DJ for a night where community members play one or three songs from their, like whether it's indie music, whether it's Nigerian music, and that can go a long way. So I think I would love to see more cultural events because there are events that are normal, like you have um, webinars, but I've not seen any cultural events that people cross country can um, participate in. So I don't know if I answered a lot, but these are just the top two I can No, that's great. That's head. a great example because um, I know someone, actually, her name's Marty, and I met her in a community called Location Indie, and she does this, her uh, community, she has a community herself, and her community is all about show and tell and and bringing stories t- to, uh, you know, to an online virtual group for her, for her group. And talking about something, she has like a theme and then she says, bring something and tell us a story based on this theme or something. And that that's an interesting, you know, I remember show and tell growing up when I was in school, we had show and tell, we brought something in that was meaningful to us, or there was a cultural um, day that we were celebrating. Um, I, for some reason, the only thing I can remember about me bringing was my my father was a cartoonist and he, he wasn't a professional cartoonist, but this is what he did in his like, t- you know, his own time. Um, he loved to draw cartoons. And so he drew me a cartoon that I took to school and my friend said, who did that? You know, where did you get that? And I said, and that's my dad. He's pretty good at that. <laughs> it's, it's just funny that, and, and you know, something small that, um, you know, culturally represents something that, especially when, when you're when you're trying to get to know others, even if it's um, there's diversity even in Pennsylvania, where I live in Pennsylvania, um, we have we have people that are, come from different places and different um, regions of Pennsylvania and have different perspectives. So even when you're not talking about maybe a global community or an international community, even then you. So I think some people may be thinking, well, I don't have, you know, maybe. Or maybe they don't know. They're like, well, I don't know if there's anybody that is culturally different from me. How do I figure that out? And it could be just asking the community members, right? Of saying, what would be exciting to share, right? Yeah, yeah I, I feel it's also key. Like you should know where your community members are from. 
like I think I, I mentioned it, like your onboarding strategy is key for anything. You try to co- to get as much information as you can, like location, interest, like little, little things like this. And you know that, okay, we have 60 committee members from Nigeria or 50 committee members from the US. So the onboarding strategy is key. And yes, like you mentioned, diversity does not just cover race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, it also covers ideas. Like there's diversity of ideas and opinions. Yeah. You can have a different opinion. So when you talk about diversity, it talks about like representation, representation of what exactly, your beliefs, your culture, your tradition, then like how do you not imbibe that to your community? How do you create a safe space where people can share different ideas, opinions, not just people from one class, but people from different spectrums, different races. And yeah, there's so much beauty in it because you get to learn a lot. Like any any community that is not diverse, I feel like they are missing out a lot because you're just listening. You're just it's like you're talking to yourself. But when you have that diversity in your community, you learn things that you never even knew. Like wait, they actually do this in your country, and you're like so intrigued that you get to learn more and more. And so more. if I feel like my community is not diverse, which is probably true with my community currently, um, how would I how would I go about getting? Um, other people from other cultures in there. What, give me a good example. Maybe some people would be help. Would, it would help them to say, okay, well, how do I how do I bring, you know, people of different cultures into my space? One one key way, which is a sneaky way, I I, I always say, is have an event and have an event for a particular subset of people you want to do. For example, um, it's Black History Month. You can have an event. Reach out to a like a black professional a black advocate he or she probably has like a huge network of your sub of the people you want in your community by the time you you advertise an event definitely people from um he, he or her network will come into your um event and like that you have people in your events and you get them and you direct them to your community so that's just one sneaky way i usually think of like hey if i want more asians what do i do create an asian event create an and if not even an Asian event, create an event that you have Asian speakers and more Asian people come to your community. If I want black people, create an event that I have black speakers and more black people come into your community. So that's just one mm-hmm. sneaky way. So that's a secret between yeah, and, and you. Yeah, and, and I, I reach, I, I try to reach out or um, some people reach out to me for, for different things. And I really try to uh, learn and say, well, how can I, how can I really, you know, be more inclusive? And one of the um, coaches that I'm working with had said, um, you know, even in your marketing, it's really important to have visual images of different um, ethnicities and cultures because, um, that way, that th- whoever lands on your sales page or landing page or your website, they'll, they'll they'll see, oh, this is somewhere where they accept me, and that relates to a lot of people. I think, right? I don't know if that's something you'd recommend. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it it does. Content, even your branding as a committee is key. Like I was, I was at an event, and we're talking about what it means to be a brand, like branding for diversity. So people don't realize that when you create avatars or profiles, when you have like limited options, like let's say you have white, 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 people don't feel like, okay, you are being represented. But when you have different options, like a black avatar, a white avatar, or even a neutral avatar, it sort of creates like that kind of um, 
what's the word? It sort of creates that kind of, okay, I don't want like pre- prejudice. I don't want bias from somebody. Like if I have a neutral avatar, like no one will say, okay, where are you from? There's security around it. So it's, it's very key. It's very key as a thing, as a committee or as a brand, like that's, that's diversity in terms of branding, in terms of everything is key. And I, I, I think I was also, I also saw something, yeah, which sort of intrigued me because when I was like starting off as a community manager, I used to be like very shy about joining communities. And I feel like I should talk about it. Like when I used to join communities, I was like, sorry, I found myself changing things about me. Like the way I used to talk, like my accent, I hated coming on the camera because I'm like, ah, everyone is white. But I attended, attended one workshop on DI and that word, I always talk about intersectionality. I always talk about intersectionality and it's key. When the person said embrace intersectionality, it sort of changed my perspective. Like I was now out there everywhere, everyone I talk to, I always try and introduce them to my culture about what it means to be a Nigerian. I always also try and learn from them, like, okay, what is your culture? Teach me as well. And if I didn't go to that workshop, I'll probably be shy to now. I won't have that courage. And I think that some people also have this issue when they join a community, they don't feel a sense of belonging when it's like dominated by a particular race, which is cool because like sense of belonging is something that you should work on as a community. But if you don't embrace your intersectionality, you will never have that internal sense of belonging. So it's like something I always can preach out. Like for you to be confident, you have to embrace who you are. Like little things from your your little eyes, the way you look, your nose, your skin color. Like embrace it. Like it makes you who you are. And from them, you have like an inner belonging before you can now exhume like your confidence and whatnot. Sorry for this motivational no, speech, but it I is wonderful. And that. you get you gave a good point of sometimes it's really hard for us to accept our own self. I know I'm working on that with my personal work right now because I struggle with um, liking the way I look or <laughs> any of that. And I think it, it goes back to if you don't feel like you belong, then it's really hard for you to tell other people they belong. And that's challenging, but I think at some level, all of us are trying to just feel like we we belong <laughs> so that we can allow other space for others to belong as well. Um, but it's just a great point. So I really appreciate you bringing that up of just taking a look at the authentic life that you live and who you are and then sh- shining your light basically by by saying I, I belong here and I'm passionate about this or whatever that is, whatever that means, right? Yeah, definitely. It's it's everyone has like I call it for me, there's what you call trespassers like trespass syndrome com- like compared to like imposter syndrome. So trespass syndrome is like you feel like you are trespassing, like you're not meant to be there. So I usually have that compared to imposter syndrome. So it's it's just embracing, I'll say it again, embracing that centrality. That was embrace what makes you beautiful. What makes you a black person? What makes you an Asian person? Like embrace it. And your confidence comes because now the way I'm talking to you, the accent I use is accent I'll talk to someone in Nigeria, accent I'll talk to someone in UK. So it's it sort of gave me like more um perspective on what it means to be an African person entering a global community 
because it's never so easy to like adapt because you have people you have never met and there's this sort of you'll feel like they're not going to accept you but once you accept yourself like you're good to go wow we got deep we got deep in this podcast i love it <laughs> i love it uh yeah ex- my word for uh, 2022 is abundance but my other word that i uh, initially planned on was acceptance because i really want to work on not just accepting myself but accepting everybody and everything as the way it is and like you know being thankful for this present moment so i'm very thankful for you and that, that you are willing to, to share some of your, your, your amazing knowledge uh, in this topic and subject. Um, is there any last words or anything else that you wanted to share with us? Yeah, yeah. I'll say um, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, justice. Everything just sums up to treat people equally, regardless of race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, mental ability, physical ability, like treat people fairly, give them chances, like take a job to lead. It's key because I started this journey because I didn't see anyone. And I felt like Nigerians were not getting enough chance and it shouldn't be like that. Instead, I should come to the community management field and see people like me and I didn't. So it's sort of a sad, a bitter sad moment because I'm like, okay, I'm on this journey. And I'm talking about it, I'm advocating, but I'm still not seeing people that are like me in this particular subset. But I hope that I changes very will. soon. I know. It so will. I'll say, yeah. yeah, if you want to be, yeah. <laughs> so all, all I'll say is, as a brand, as a community, as a, an individual, just treat people fairly, regardless of their race. And yeah. you are good to go. Equality for everyone. I am such a believer. Thank you for uh, sharing with us your insights. Um, for anybody who wants to connect, is LinkedIn the best place for them to, to reach out to you? Yeah, I'm like the worst social media user. Like LinkedIn email are my best platforms to reach out. Compared to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I'm not on those platforms. I'm on Twitter. I'm trying to be active. But I'll say Insta- I'll say LinkedIn and yeah, LinkedIn is the best place to reach me. And just if you want to talk about DI, if you're a brand you're interested, you want to know more, or you just want to like vent about maybe people not understanding you when it comes to like your intersectionality. Oh, uh, that's so out. nice of you, kind of you to offer uh, that place to hold space for others. Um, very cool. Uh, thank you again for joining us. Um, for everybody listening, there will be show notes that I'll have some links for you to to grab and subscribe to to Jeff's blog and uh, connect with him on LinkedIn. So uh, until the next time, uh, I am excited for what's coming in 2022 with Finecom here and our uh, new podcast, which we, we re- reframed and I'm working on getting uh, updated. And I'm actually, I just signed up for a podcast workshop in Orlando, uh, PodFest. So I'm like, I'm going to PodFest, shout out PodFest. And Yay. I'm just like really stepping into, I really want to make this podcast great and get out the word about community to so many people. So uh, to do that, if you all listening want to help me, please uh, subscribe to the podcast, write me a nice review if you really like it. Um, that would be amazing. Share it with your friends. Uh, and I'm excited to uh, see you next time on the podcast. Uh, until the next time, I hope you're finding calm in this day evening, morning, afternoon, 
anytime it is, wherever you are, find calm. Until the next time, take care. Bye.